So for the last few weeks, we've been in this series that we're calling Mislabels. And it's all about um, false identities that we have accepted and wrong ways that we've come to see ourselves. And we have heard so many lies about who we are, starting as kids. And some of those lies we've like accepted and we've believed and we've appropriated for ourselves and we, we, we started wearing them around like, like these name tags, these, these seeing ourselves through these mislabels. And a, a lot of them we got when we were really young. You know, maybe, maybe you had a parent or maybe you had a teacher or a coach or somebody in your life and when you were really little, they, through their words or through their actions, they told you that you were just not that smart. And ever since then, that's how you see yourself. That's who I am. I'm just not that smart. Or maybe your parents didn't love you very well, or maybe they didn't even stick around. And so after a while, you took that to mean that I guess, I guess that's who I am. You started believing, you started accepting this false identity. That's, that's who I am, I'm, I'm unlovable. Or maybe you had a business fail or maybe your finances have failed, or maybe your marriage has failed, and now you've kind of taken that on, you've accepted this belief, yeah, that, that's who I am, I'm, I'm a failure. Or maybe you just saw one too many social media posts about these beautiful people with their beautiful faces and their beautiful houses and their beautiful kids and their beautiful lives and their beautiful stupid meals Right, and you just thought, you know what, man, if that's what beautiful looks like, right, if that's what beautiful is, I'm the opposite of that. So I guess I just must be ugly. And so I think what we've been learning is that when we accept and when we believe these mislabels, the results can be tragic because obviously it's gonna be really hard for us to live the purposeful, God-honoring, rich, satisfying, abundant life that Jesus died to give us if we believe lies about who we are. Like, if, if, if we believe and accept that, you know, here, I'm ugly, I'm ugly, then how can I live out the life that I was created for? Because God says, I'm a masterpiece. And if I believe and accept the lie that I'm insignificant, then how am I gonna do the significant things that God calls me to do? If I, if I believe and accept this mislabel that who I am is I'm alone, then how am I ever gonna find my place is what God says I really am. He says I'm part of something beautiful. If I believe the mislabel, if I wear this thing around and I see myself as being defeated, then how am I ever gonna live a life as the overcomer? that God says I really am. If I wear around a label, if I accept this identity that I'm insufficient or that I'm self-sufficient, then how am I ever gonna do these amazing things that God calls me to do that can only be accomplished by who we really are? Christ is sufficient. So what we've been trying to do for these last few weeks is like you know peel off some of these mislabels and replace them with our true identity. And we believe the best person to tell us our true identity is our creator. And we believe that the best way that he does that is through his word. 
So today we're gonna look at a mislabel that I think we've heard from lots of different places our whole lives. Um, let's start like this. Um, how many of you, at some point since you became a Christian, um, have made a post-salvation mistake? You were saved, but you sinned. Okay, a couple of you, okay. Well, those that raise your hand, you're gonna burn. Okay, so that's one. And number two, we've all sinned, right? If you've been saved more than an hour, you probably have sinned. If you didn't raise your hand, you, you probably just didn't understand the question. I mean, we, we've all done that. So let me, let me say it a different way, and don't, you don't raise your hands. How many of you, at some point since you've been saved, have made a mistake? You've sinned. You've done something that is against the will of God, and when it happened, for like maybe just a second, it crossed your mind, maybe that Christianity thing didn't work. Or maybe, like, maybe, have I, have I changed at all? Or did anything really even happen between me and Jesus? Or am I just the same old me? And I've heard this from so many people. It's like, you know, I got saved on Sunday. It was awesome, right? I had a really great lunch. You know, man, I was feeling it. Living life in Jesus is amazing. Jesus loves me. This I know, right? I went to bed that night happy and safe and secure and thrilled with my new life. And then I got up the next morning and I yelled at my spouse. And I thought, well, that's weird. Because I thought I was done with all that stuff. And then I was driving to work and somebody cut me off in traffic. And when I waved at him, I only used one finger. And as soon as it happened, I thought, well, what's this all about, man? Christians, that's not how, well, Christians don't do that. What, what's going on right now? I, or, and then I got to work. And there was that sexy coworker looking extra nice today. And two thoughts crossed my mind. The first one was, dang. <laughs> and the second one was, what, what's happening? What, what's wrong with me? I, I, thought I, I thought I was cured of all of that, and then here come the voices, right? And they've got their little Sharpies, you know, and they've got their mislabels ready to roll for you. And Satan is on your shoulder, and he's whispering in your ear, and he's saying, you know what, nothing happened. You're still the same old you. And maybe even some people in your life, maybe even some, like, judgy Christian friends told you, you know, Christians don't really behave like, behave like that, so... I don't know, maybe you're just still the same old you. Or maybe you've fallen yourself into that like Christian comparison trap. And you've seen all these super Christians and their super posts and their amazing lives and, and you've written out your own mislabel. Well, I mean, that's not how I'm doing it. So apparently I am the only Christian who ever sins so that can only mean one thing. I guess, I'm just, I guess I'm just the same old me. Maybe nothing happened between me and Jesus. Maybe it didn't take. You know, maybe, maybe that was just my imagination. Maybe the preacher was wrong about this new, better, eternal life. And so you take out your Sharpie, and you take out your label, and you just write, hello, I'm just the same old me. You know, maybe I go to church now. Maybe I got a Bible now, but if I was different, I would act different. 
And if I was different, people would see me different. And if I was different, I would feel different. I guess I'm just, I guess I'm just the same old me. And I'm gonna tell you, that is a mislabel. That is, here's a word I'm coining, counter-biblical, right? That is like the opposite of what the Bible says who you are. And just like all of these mislabels, for Christians, the result of believing these mislabels, the, the result of accepting these mislabels are, are, they can just be tragic. And so I have a list here, I'm gonna give you eight. These are eight really tragic things that happen if you believe as a Christian that you're just the same old me. And I want you to see how opposite of the Bible that they are. If I believe that I'm still the same old me, number one, I'm gonna live in shame, right? I'm gonna live in shame, even though Romans 10, 11 says that if we trust Jesus, we have no shame, right? If I believe and accept that I'm just the same old me, then I'm gonna be afraid of God. And I'm gonna be afraid of judgment, even though 1 John 4, 18 says God doesn't give us a spirit of fear. If I believe and accept that I'm the same old me, then I'm just gonna worry all the time what is gonna happen at the end of this thing, right? I'm gonna worry all the time, even though Philippians 4, 6 specifically tells us not to worry. If I believe and accept that I'm still the same old me, I'm gonna always feel condemned, even though Romans 8, 1 tells us there is no condemnation for those of us that are in Christ Jesus. If I believe and accept that I'm still the same old me, I, I'm gonna drive myself crazy, striving and stressing and working and trying and earning and just wanting to look different, even though Jesus said his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Those are, these are tragic results, right? Here's a good one. I have to say, it's kind of insulting to Jesus and what he did for us to think that his life and his death and his burial and his resurrection wasn't enough to change us or save us. That's, that's a tragic result. There's more, it, it sucks all the joy out of our relationship with a father that loves us perfectly and that wants to enjoy us and he wants us to enjoy him. These are tragic results, right? I'll tell you another one, we're a terrible witness to the world Right? If you live your life as if you're the same old you, that's a terrible witness to the world about everything to do with Christianity, peace and joy and freedom and redemption and everything. It's a terrible witness to the world. So when we accept and believe these mislabels that, oh, it's just the same old me, the results are tragic. And listen, it is a mislabel. That, that's, that's a lie. Because you are not who Satan says you are and you're not who the world says you are, and you're not who social media says you are, you're not who your feelings say you are, you're not who your past experiences say you are, you're not the same old you, you are who God says you are. And 2 Corinthians 5.17 in my Bible says, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. I'll get you to say this part with me. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. Oh, it's over now. That guy's dead now, right? The new life has begun. It's, it's, not, it's not the same old you. Matt's gonna show us. It's not the same old you. You are now a new creation in Christ. The, the Bible teaches that when you become a Christian, like we call it getting saved or we're getting born again, it's not, it's not just you saying some stuff. 
And it's not just you raising your hand, and it's not just you praying a prayer or, 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 or walking an aisle. It's more than that. It, it's more than changing your behaviors. It's more than making a commitment. It's a rebirth. It's a new life. This is hard stuff to understand. Jesus told Nicodemus, this is John 3, 3. He said, I tell you the truth, you can't see the kingdom of God unless you are born again. Not, not, you can't see the kingdom of God unless you change your behavior. You can't see the kingdom of God unless you are born again. As Christians, you are not the same old you with a new coat of paint. You're, you're born again in Christ as new creations, as God's children. And his spirit lives inside of you. Do you believe that? Okay, so then that brings up an interesting question, right? Um, If it's a new me, then how come I keep sinning like the old me? And I'm gonna tell you, it's a hard one, right? I I think it's a a really, the truth, it's kind of a mystery. But for some reason, God chooses to make some of this change gradual. So he could, he could instantly change everything about us, right? He could instantaneously give us the perfect body, mind, spirit that we're gonna have in heaven, but I don't know, he didn't ask me about this. He, he does what he does, right? He, he takes his time in this transformation from the old you um, to the new creation in Christ. And he starts by instantaneously giving you a renewed spirit. So that's, I don't know, is that like, that's phase one, maybe, right? That's like the groundwork, that's the foundation. It starts with this renewed spirit. So this is Romans 8:15. It says, "You received God's spirit when He adopted you as His own children, and now we call him Abba Father." So apparently this thing happens right away. When we become his children, we get his spirit. And this new spirit, it's almost like um, proof for you that you are his child. It's like if you got your official adoption papers now. Right now, that's it. It's, it's, it's official. Look at verse 16. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm, right, to prove that we're God's children. So your spirit is renewed and redeemed and reborn instantly when you are adopted as a child of God. That's, that's salvation. Some people call that justification. And then the transformation of the mind and the transformation of the body, that's more of a, of a gradual process. And some people call that sanctification. And it's weird to think of that like your body changing later because we think of our bodies as being who we are, right? This is who I am. This is, I look in the mirror, that's me. Right? We think of our bodies as being who we are, but that's actually a mislabel too. Right? The actual you is your spirit, your soul. Right? And, and these, our bodies are more like, somebody called them um, meat suits, that we're just, like, we're just wearing these things around you know, temporarily. These, these bodies that we live in now are, are just, they're, they're temporary. And that, I mean, hallelujah. You know, I mean, I, like I, every morning, like I stand on the scale and it's just like, ugh. And then I look up in the mirror and it's just like, ugh, right? And now when we really appropriate this truth, right? This is like a, we can look at the scale and look in the mirror and just say, praise Jesus, this is temporary. And so that's awesome, right? 
It's, this, is, this is temporary. Um, Paul was a tent maker, and so he used the example of like our bodies are like a tent that we just live in temporarily. Look, this is 2 Corinthians 5, 1. Paul says, for we know that this earthly tent we live, when, when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, then we'll have a house in heaven, an eternal body, made for us by God himself, not by human hands, and we, he's, we grow weary in our present bodies, and we, we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. Look at verse five, this is cool. God himself has prepared us for this, and as a guarantee, so he's, he's getting us ready for this idea that someday we're gonna get a new body, we're gonna be perfect, our actions, our behaviors, our, our thoughts are gonna be new. He says, as a guarantee, he's given us his Holy Spirit. So, like this word guarantee is a cool word. It's like, um, like a down payment, right? As, as a down payment on this change that he's gonna ultimately make in us, he's given us a, a deposit. Um, I, uh, uh, the word earnest comes from this word. So here's a couple of great realtors over here, right? So when, if, if I tell you I wanna buy your house, that's really just talk, right? Oh, I'm, I'm serious, I'm gonna buy your house. Yeah, that's just talk right now. But when does it become real? Earnest money, right? We put down the earnest money, and that's like, okay, now it's happening, right? Now this thing is real. So yeah, his, his Holy Spirit is in us from the get-go, like, like our adoption papers, and, and they're proving that we are his children even when we don't act like it. You ever have your kids act in a way and you say, these cannot be my kids, right? <laughs> they are, I'm sorry, they are. So the, his Holy Spirit is like that, that's like our adoption papers, the seal that kind of proves that we're his, and it's also like our earnest money guarantee that he is going to finish this metamorphosis, this change that he's bringing about in us. Because the adoption papers, the, the Holy Spirit isn't just sitting inside of us like a document in a filing cabinet, it's, he's changing us. He's changing us from the inside out so here's Romans 12 too. It's a verse we talk about a lot. And remember, he's saying, he's writing this to people at a church. He's writing this to people that have already had their spirits renewed. They're already Christians, right? They're, they've already had their spirits renewed. And look what he says. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you. Not transform yourself. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you which is good and pleasing and perfect. So apparently this transformation kind of goes like spirit and then your mind and then your body. So your spirit starts with like who you really are and then it's your mind, how you think, and then it's your body, your, how you act and how you live. It, 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 and this word transform, it comes from the Greek word metamorpho. Doesn't that sound like a superhero? Metamorpho, right? So does that word sound like anything to you? Yeah, metamorphosis. And that's a gradual, complete, miraculous, inside-out transformation. He's, he's, he's making us more and more like Jesus, not always as fast as we would like for him to go. But this change is happening, whether you see it or not and whether your friends see it or not, and whether social media tells you it's true or not. This change is happening, and it will continue until it's done. How do I know that? Because the Bible says so. 
So this is Philippians 1.6, Paul writing this. He says, I am certain, he's writing to Christians, again, to a church. I'm certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue whose work? His work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So who, who began this work in your spirit? Who? God, yeah. And who's gonna continue this work in your mind, in your body? God. And what is the projected finish date? When Jesus comes back. So this ongoing metamorphosis is our evidence that the Holy Spirit is in us, which is our evidence that we're born again as his children. We're, we're like butterflies, right? In fact, you guys wanna see a cool little one minute video about a butterfly and all that? Okay, watch this. You got that, Matt? That's me on guitar, by the way. So we start out as these like slimy, gross, wormy creatures, and then this change, right? Salvation happens, and now we're God's family, and his spirit comes to live inside of us, and we are new creations. But then God takes his time to fully develop us into this new, amazing creation. So some people like to say, well, God looks on the inside. You heard that saying? Like, God looks at the heart, and that, that's really true. When God looks at us, he sees that spirit, right? He sees the spirit of Christ in us, and he's not phased by the temporary, slimy behaviors of our body and of our mind. He's not looking at the mislabels on the outside, and that's why he says we are, right? Not, not, not we will be. We are his masterpiece, even though we still have some flaws. And that's why he says we are called, even though we feel insignificant. And that's why he says we are part of his kingdom and part of his family, even when we feel like we're alone. And that's why he says we are overcomers, even when the world tells us that we're defeated. And that's why he says that we are Christ-sufficient, even though we wrongly see ourselves as being insufficient or as being self-sufficient. Transformation is happening. It's, it's guaranteed by the Holy Spirit And that's why God can look at you now and see you and call you what he's changing you to be. Not the same old you, a new creation in Christ. And God is focused on the inevitable, amazing human that you're becoming and not on the temporary, slimy, wormy guy that you look like now. 
no matter what the world says, no matter what your feelings say, no matter what your circumstances say, no matter what Satan stands on your shoulder and says, if the Holy Spirit is in you, you're not the same old you. You are a new creation, even while you're becoming a new creation. And that's, that's hard, right? That's a hard thing to like, that makes my brain hurt. Like how, 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 how is it he's changing you into the new creation that you already are? That's like hard, huh? Like how can I be a new creation while simultaneously becoming a new creation? That's a, that's a hard, I'm trying to think of like an analogy of this. It's, it kind of reminds me of like babies, like um, a, a, a baby, an infant, a tiny baby human because, I mean, are they human? Humans typically stand upright, right? Infants don't, but they're still human, right? Um, humans typically have teeth. Babies don't, but they're still human, right? Most humans can take their hand and reach up and touch the top of their head. Can you? Try it. You can reach the top of your head but maybe you've noticed, most babies can't do that. But they're still, they're still humans. So that's, I don't know, that's kind of an analogy, but it's still kind of a mystery. I think it's a really hard thing to understand that he's changing you into a new creation that you already are. That's hard, that's hard for us to understand. Like it's hard for us to understand how Jesus is simultaneously 100% God and 100% human. He's separate from God. He prayed to God, right? And yet he said, I and the Father are one. That's, it's hard to understand, right? It's like a mystery. How, how, can you be, how can you be two things at the same time? Uh, in John 1, 1, it says, in the beginning, Jesus was God, and he was with God. Oh, that's hard. That's a hard, that's a mystery. It's hard to understand, and it's hard for us to understand how he can be changing you into a new creation that you already are. It's, it's a mystery. It's a mystery. And in Colossians, Paul says, this is like, this is the great secret. This is the mystery this, of the gospel. And the, the great mystery is finally revealed in Colossians 1.27, and the revelation there is that Christ lives in you. And this gives you the assurance of sharing in his glory. So that's true, even, even though you're still a little slimy, all right? God sees the butterfly. And even when you're still rough around the edges, God sees the final product. And even when you make mistakes, he sees the Christ in you. And that is the hope we have of glory. So if you're a Christian, you're not the same old you. You're a new creation in Christ. And that's good news, huh? That's, that's, really, that's really good news. That's what, that's what the word gospel means, right? A lot of Christians need to hear this. It's good news, right? It's, it's, good, it's good news. But the bad news is not everybody will accept it. In fact, look what Matthew says. This is Matthew 7, 13. It says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and the gate is wide for many that choose that way, but the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. So this is kind of important, right? What is this difficult road? You know, what is this narrow gate? How do, how do we get on it, right? How do we get through it? 
How do, we, how, do we get, how do we get saved? How do we get born again? This is really, really important because remember, once we do that, once we are adopted by God and we have his spirit in us, then we can give up this old mislabel that says same old me. And we can start living out of our true identity as new creations in Christ. So um, do you guys have anything more important to do than for me to explain to you how salvation works? Anybody? Oh, good. Um, so let's talk about how it works. There's, there's, there's a lot of verses that talk about how to be saved. Um, Romans 10:13 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so like, what does that mean? What does it mean to call on the name of the Lord? Um, so one of the best things to do when we have scripture is to look at scripture in light of other scripture, right? So let's just look at a couple and see kind of how Maybe how, how that fleshes out or right. So here's another famous salvation verse, John 3, 16. Maybe you have a T-shirt with that on it. It says, this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, will be saved, will have eternal life. So apparently calling on Jesus has to do with believing in Jesus. But believing in Jesus has to be more than just like accepting that he exists, that's, that's more like, that's believing about Jesus, right? That's, that's not the same. In fact, James said that even the demons believe about Jesus. So believing in Jesus means like putting your belief, putting your faith in him and, and completely trusting your life and your eternal life to him. That, that's, believing, that's believing in Jesus. So then is that it? Is that all it is? Is it just believing in Jesus? Um, in Acts 2, another really famous scripture. So now Peter does this amazing sermon. The Spirit has just come, and, and he gives this amazing sermon about who Jesus is, and he's the Messiah and all that. And it says that the people's hearts were pierced by what, what Peter said. And so that, like, they, they believe now. That you're, man, yeah, Jesus is who he said he was. So like... Like, what do we do next? And look what he says. This is Acts 2, 38. Peter said, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. So this John was going around and he was baptizing people as a sign of repentance, right? So he's saying, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God for the forgiveness of your sins. Then it'll happen, right? Then you'll receive the Holy Spirit. Then you get your adoption papers, right? Then you'll know um, what's going on. And so it, it seems like it's not just about believing, although that's critical. It's also about repentance. So outside of church, who's used the word repentance in the last 10 years? Never, right? So like, what is that word? What, what is repentance? Some people think, well, repentance, that means you're sorry. And that, yeah, that's, that's true. But like repentance isn't just being sorry. Repentance means a change a change of heart and a change of mind and a change of direction. You know, repentance is really reconsidering your life. I think repentance is, is, is like, like I, here I'm walking, this is my life, man. This is where I'm going and I see where it ends up. And I'm not crazy about that, right? So what am I, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go the other way. It's, a, it's, it's literally a change of heart and a change of mind and a change of direction. So I'm, I'm gonna turn away from the way I was going and I'm gonna turn this other way and I'm gonna turn away from my ideas 
and I'm gonna turn away from what I think is right or wrong, and I'm gonna turn away from what I like to do, and I'm gonna turn towards Jesus' way. In fact, after he was baptized and after he was tempted and all that, Jesus was starting his ministry. Look what it says, this is Matthew 4, 17. From then on, Jesus began to preach, this was his message, repent of your sins and turn to God, right? See where you're going, see how this ends up, and turn the other way, because the kingdom of heaven is near. That was his message, that was his message, repent. Turn away from your sins in your old life and turn towards God and your life as his child. So I think fully believing in Jesus means that you trust him so much that you repent, that you turn away from the way you, you used to see things and the way you used to feel about things and the way you used to do things. You turn away from your ways and you start following his ways. And you say, you know what, I don't trust me anymore. I tried that. I don't trust me anymore. My, my goodness is not working out. I need his goodness in me. I need, I need him making me good from the inside out. So believing in Jesus, repenting is saying, I trust you, Jesus, so much that I'm literally giving my life to you, right? I'm, I, I wanna be your art project. So you can change me and, and make me who you created me to be. That's, that's calling on the name of the Lord, that's salvation. And I think this is summed up pretty well in my favorite salvation verse. It's Romans 10:9. It says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There it is. It's the two things, right? It starts with believing in Jesus, but there's also this idea of making him Lord. And that's, again, another word we just don't use all that often, right? It, 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 that's repentance, though. If you're living your way, think of that. If you're living your way and you're doing what you think is right and what feels good to you, who's Lord of your life? You are, right? Making Jesus Lord means believing in him so much that you repent of your ways. You turn away from your ways and you start following his ways as the Holy Spirit teaches you and as the Holy Spirit leads you and as the Holy Spirit empowers you, and as the Holy Spirit changes you. And I'm telling you, if that has happened for you, if you have really, truly believed in Jesus so much that you've made him Lord of your life, and you've said, man, I wanna do what you want me to do. I wanna be who you want me to be. I, I wanna become like you, so show me how, and, and make changes in me, and empower me to make those changes. If you've done that, and I wanna tell you, it doesn't matter what Satan says in your ear about you still being the same old you. And it doesn't matter what the world says. And it doesn't matter what your feelings say. You're not the same old you. You're a new creation in God. You are who God says you are. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus and his spirit is in you. And whether you see it or not, or whether it goes fast enough for you or not, he is changing you into the new creation that you already are. And most of you obviously already knew that because you've, you've trusted Jesus so much. You have repented and you've turned away from your ways and towards his ways. And you are a child of God. And you've got your official adoption papers. You've got the Holy Spirit in you and his spirit is inside of you, convicting you about changes that need to be made and empowering you to make them. And you're not, you're not perfect yet, most of you, but you are a masterpiece that he's working on and someday he's going to finish that work and you're gonna be just like Jesus and you're gonna live with him forever Amen. and nobody can take that away from you and nothing can take that away from you including 
your behavior. And I, I hope you all know that, and I hope you've all done that, and I hope that you're all living in that freedom and that peace and that joy. But if you don't, and if you haven't, and if you aren't, then I'm going to ask you three quick questions, okay? Number one, do you believe about Jesus? I mean, everybody believes that, right? We believe that Jesus was really God and that he came and he lived and he died and he resurrected. And then the second question, a little harder, do you believe in Jesus? I mean, do you really, do you, do you trust him to the point that you're gonna turn away from what sounds right to you and what feels good to you and turn towards his ways, make him Lord of your life? And then the third question, do you wanna ask him today to just forgive your sins and for his spirit to come inside you and start this process of changing you from the inside out. And so again, I mean, you're in church. In the early service, you could have slept in. It's a rainy day. And you got up and you came to church instead. And so probably, I mean, maybe even everybody here is already a Christian. But like if there might be one person that said, yeah, I believe about Jesus. And I believe in Jesus. And now I'm ready. I'm ready for this thing to happen. I'm ready for my adoption papers. I'm ready for the Holy Spirit to come live inside of me. And I'm ready for him to change me from the same old me to a new creation in Christ. So if that's you, look at me. If that's you, if that's you, then I'm gonna lead you in a really simple prayer right now. And listen, these, the words of this prayer do not save you, right? What saves you is you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and you say with your mouth that he's Lord of your life, right? So we're just gonna say a prayer to do that. And this way you can know that like starting now, starting now, you're a new creation in Christ. So you know, let's do, let's say the prayer out loud and we'll just all say it together. And that might be an encouragement to somebody that's nervous about saying it out loud because it says we say it with our mouth, right? So let's, yeah, let's bow our heads. Let's, let's pray this prayer. Just pray after me. Just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner and I'm sorry. But today I become a new creation. And I believe in you as my risen savior. And I'm asking you to be my Lord. So adopt me. Fill me with your spirit. Teach me from your word. And finish this work in me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, look, if you did that, that's pretty quick and dirty, right? I mean, that's a very simple thing, but it's not an easy thing to live out this life. And these changes that the Holy Spirit wants to make in you are not always easy changes, and so you need some support, and that's why we have a church, right? So here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. If you go back to the Connection Center, tell them you need a connection card. Just write your name on it, give me your phone number or whatever, and just check the box on there that says, today I decided to follow Jesus. And then give it back to them or throw it in the offering box or something, and I'll call you this week. And we can just talk more about it. I wanna, I wanna give you, a, a, we got a Bible that you can actually read and actually understand, so just tell them, give me one of those Bibles and they'll hook you up with the Bible. And man, I just wanna talk to you about this really exciting, amazing new life that Jesus has for you. Um, so congratulations if you did that. And I also wanna tell you that after the second service, we're gonna be doing some more baptisms. We got a little string of baptisms going these last few weeks, which is awesome. And so after that service, man, if you're ready to do that, remember John was baptizing people, what, 
as a sign of repentance, right? And so if you're ready to, to go public with your faith, man, if you became a Christian just now, or if you became a Christian a long time ago, stick around between services and just tell me you wanna get baptized and we'll add you to the list for the second service. So what else? Is that enough? Okay, God bless you guys. Have a great week.